Welcome to the Soul Summit Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Levesque. I'm here to bridge the gap for women in the outdoors, build a community of adventure junkies, and roll out your weekly dose of positive vibes. With almost two decades in the health and fitness world and an untamable passion for hunting and the outdoors, my mission is to help you live a bucket list life and move boldly in the direction of your dreams. Meet us here weekly as I connect with like-minded men and women to discuss health and mindset, accountability, life and entrepreneurship, as well as all things hunting and epic untold stories. Welcome to another episode. Today I am joined by a lady named Erica Smith. She is known online as Alaska Outdoor Girl, and this was a casual conversation where her and I get to know one another And we talk about her growing up on the Kenai Peninsula. Uh, Lucky Erica has got to grow up in some of the most beautiful places of Alaska. And she shares a bit of that with us, as well as what adventuring looks like to her and what she's really trying to learn to expand and explore more in the outdoors and doing that solo. She also talks a little bit about some of the the trial and errors and the things that she's improving on to become a more efficient uh, backpacker. So this was a really fun conversation. I think that you'll enjoy. She's so much fun to talk to. And you can tell that her passion for Uh, adventuring and foraging and all things outdoors is running deep in her veins. So tune in to today's episode with Erica Smith. This show hands down could not happen without the amazing support of some incredible companies. Let's take a word from today's sponsors. With the most technically advanced barrel manufacturing techniques, state-of-the-art machinery, and an unwavering commitment to quality, Bagara has become the barrel source of numerous top-tier gun manufacturers in both Europe and the United States. Bagara is producing a full line of precision firearms engineered and built to showcase the performance capabilities of their world-class barrels. At their core, Bagara believes that a precision firearm requires not only the best components, but also an assembly process that is carried out by individuals who are the best of the best at their craft. Whether you're a backcountry hunter and want a rifle that doesn't compromise accuracy for weight, a long-range competition shooter, or just looking to get started with your first rifle, Bagara has something for everyone. Head to bagara.online.com to take a look now. That's B-E-R-G-A-R-A dot O-N-L-I-N-E dot com. In South Dakota, hunting is our shared legacy, something everyone can be a part of. That's why we're focused on making our fields a welcome place for everyone. See how at huntthegreatestsd.com, where you can hear stories from sportswomen and learn what makes South Dakota the world's pheasant capital. While you're there, check out public land maps, hunting blogs, and season information for one unforgettable fall. Learn more at huntthegreatestsd.com. Sawyer offers family-friendly insect repellent for your skin, clothing, and gear. Protect yourself and your loved ones from disease-carrying ticks and mosquitoes before your next adventure. Whether you're an expecting mother or using around your favorite four-legged friends, Sawyer has an insect repellent option to keep you protected. In fact, a 2017 study found by treating your boots and socks alone with permethrin, you can reduce your chances of a tick bite by 73.6%. Don't wait until it's too late. Head to Sawyer.com to take a look at their entire line of products. That's Sawyer.com. 
All right, here we go again. Another episode of the Soul Summit podcast. Today, I am joined by Erica Smith, uh, Alaska Outdoor Girl on Instagram. Welcome to the show. Courtney, it's nice to be Well, I was just saying off air, I'm excited to have you on today because I have been peeping you for a while, but I don't know a ton about you. So give us a little backstory, Erica, on uh, where you grew up and who you are and what you like doing. Yeah, I'll say likewise, I've been doing the peeping as well. It's nicer to say than creeping, I guess, but you know, tomato, tomato. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, Let's see. So I grew up in Alaska on the Kenai Peninsula. Um, lived my whole childhood in Sterling, um, which is just out about 10 miles out of Soldatna. So in, in the boonies, but in the wilderness and it was great. And so I grew up just with, um, that Alaskan spirit and that Alaskan mentality. Um, I grew up fishing, uh, hiking, camping, um, not hunting because my dad, It wasn't really the time for girls to be hunting when I was growing up. And so I always remember hearing the hunting stories from my dad and, oh, we went out there and he would come home and tell us all the stories, but I never got to go. And, you know, we've recently talked and he said, you know, I just, I never thought that you would, would get into it, you know, and now we're kind of making up for lost time with that, but, um, really grew up with, it's a very, um, specific Alaskan mindset. Um, it's a subsistence community mindset. Um, everybody that lives here that's lived here, I feel like it's okay to make that this general statement, but I feel like Alaskans in general have a very, um, community and subsistence mindset, which, um, and no doubt we adopt from the first Alaskans, right? Um, from the Alaska native culture and it very closely mimics that. Um, I grew up berry picking and um, making jams and, you know, berry pastries with my mom. Like that was kind of the extent that my mom would do with us as we would go out berry picking with like friends and stuff in big groups because bears, right? Bears love berries too. And uh, yeah, I went to, uh, all, I guess, 13 years of school here. And then I left when I was 18 and went to college down in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. Um, so I lived in Dallas, Fort Worth for four and a half years. Um, and I loved Texas, you know, it was different. It was big. And, you know, the, the amenities are huge. It's like, uh, you know, they have like a Chipotle and, (laughs) you know, like a spaghetti warehouse and those type of things that we don't have here. Um, but then in 2008, I moved back to Alaska and I've been here ever since. Um, I work for a financial institution and I've been doing that for 16 years. So started as a teller and kind of just worked my way up and it's been an amazing career that has just kind of bolstered my ability to adventure in Alaska. And then, um, a few years ago, probably about six years ago, um, the bank started sending me around this, uh, to places like Nome and Kotzebue and Dillingham and King Salmon and Bethel and Barrow. Um, and so I got to start really visiting all over Alaska and I actually can thank my career for kind of just the flame of the embers 
with just my love for the outdoors, my love for adventure, um, my love for culture and community. Um, and so, yeah, I would probably say about six years ago is when my passion really started to develop for the outdoors. And I mean, hiking is always fun when you're a kid and berry picking and, you know, running around just being a dirty little, a dirty little kid, <laughs> you know, but, um, and then during the pandemic, when I was working from home is when I really started, I think a lot of us, right. Started just to like cleave to the outdoors because it was a way to get away from all the garbage that was going on and all of the topics, all of the, I don't know, I'm just going to say <laughs> my opinion, propaganda that you can't filter through. Um, yeah. you know, it's, it was just a way to avoid it, escape it. And when you're out in the outdoors, it's like, wow, it's normal out here. It's how, how it should be out here. And, um, I would just go live and camp and, um, just be in the outdoors all the time. I was skiing and fishing and camping and, and hunting and scouting and just all the time, every chance I got. And it was during that time that I started really wanting to share my passion, uh, for the outdoors before that, you know, I was just kind of doing my thing. And then I was like, you know, every, I started to think like people can benefit from this and, you know, Mm -hmm. I want to show people this lifestyle. And so in July or June or July of 2020, which is the year, um, I started Alaska Outdoor Girl. Um, and I just started really tiny and I just was posting pictures. I mean, you can go way back and it's kind of funny, the things that I posted um, at the beginning. But um, yeah, I just started posting, Hey, here's my camping trip on hidden Lake, or here's my hike out at ski lack Lake or, or whatever. And I was really doing a lot of geotagging back then too. And, you know, Mm -hmm. as your following grows, as you know, you curtail that you, you really scale that back to not blow up these precious places. Right. Um, and so yeah, July of 2020, I started Alaska Outdoor Girl and um, actually had a breakup during that time as well. Um, and I had talked about this, um, I think, on the Alaska Wild Project podcast when I was on there. Um, and that's kind of spurred it on as well because the person I was dating at the time was kind of my adventure partner. And when we went separate ways, I was like, you know, I need a community of girlfriends that want to do this. I need a community of women that I can count on that I can build deep relationships with that, um, that are just going to be there and that they want to do the things that I like to do. And so I also Mm -hmm. use Alaska Outdoor Girl as a platform to make friends, um, that had the same priorities and the same wants and desires and passions that I do. Um, and that has been, oh man, I, have the best friends that I couldn't even dream of, you know, I can't believe that I didn't have these friends before, you know, and it has really just added so much richness to my life. And I think that that's the best thing that's come out of it is the friendships that I have built in the meantime. And, you know, because I was really close with my sisters and stuff, but they're not as into the outdoors as I am. Like my sister said me, like I can't drag her out to to <laughs> um 
uh, she'll kill me for saying this, but you know, on a trail where there's been a recent bear sighting, you know, it's, she's like, no, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of an, a very long winded overview. Well, I think it's great though, because, you know, there's a lot of naysayers about social media, uh, found some of my dearest friends and have had and shared memories and adventures that I would, you know, I will never forget. And it's been because of bridging the gap through social media and getting to meet people like you, like, Hey, you are up in Alaska. I'm somewhere between Alaska and Oregon, but we can still kind of mix and mingle and, and realize Mm -hmm. how alike we are. And I think that those relationships are uh, such a blessing, you know, but Um, I'm curious, you know, because like you said about your sister, not everybody wants to go and, you know, go mingle with the bears while they're berry picking or whatever. But what have been some of your, uh, more challenging experiences? It sounds like you've really grown up kind of just being boots on the ground, but have there been hurdles that you've had to overcome or fears that you've had to face in adventuring, uh, outdoors in Alaska? Yes. Um, I will say that my biggest fear and still to this day is doing things alone. Um, being able to trust my skill with my bear spray or my firearm in case of an encounter, because when you're in groups, I think that, uh, statistics say that for every person you add to your group, your chance of a negative bear encounter decreases by 50%. It is statistics that you're safer with other people. And I'm a statistics person. I'm a numbers person, you know, like, I'm like, okay, well, at some point I'm going to have an encounter. Um, and so I work myself up to, to those type of adventures. I will say that I probably will do like little three mile, you know, moderate traffic hikes. I don't like to go berry picking alone because, well, I don't like to go berry picking in bear country alone. So there's some spots that I go that, um, I feel more safe, um, more, uh, accessible to rescue. Um, but I will say that it's a healthy fear of being alone in the outdoors. And Mm -hmm. I will say also it's a goal to become more comfortable being alone. Um, and uh, I would say that that's kind of my biggest hurdle. I, I am equipped with ways to protect myself. Um, I always carry bear spray. I always carry a firearm. Um, I'm trained with my firearm. I, you know, have taken safety courses, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so I feel really confident with those things, you know, but you never know what's going to happen when you find yourself in an adrenaline, in an adrenaline space. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm proud, I'm proud of the potential encounters that I've had when I'm with a group of people and how I respond. And so I'm kind of learning Well, I've learned like how I will respond with people and I'm a protective person. Um, and so I trust my instincts, but still you just, you don't know until you know. Um, and I just don't know yet. So, uh, it's coming up. I mean, I'm sure at some point I'm going to be alone out in the wilderness and I'm going to have an encounter and, and we'll see how it goes you know, fingers crossed. But um, I would say that that's kind of the biggest hurdle for me. Any other hurdles, like, I don't, I don't accept obstacles in life, like, obstacles are meant to be circumvented to me, I, 
I don't take no for an answer. Uh, you know, if somebody says, okay, well, we can't do this trip. And I'm like, well, why not? You know, let's problem solve why we can't do it. Well, we can't get across this Creek. Well, why not? You know, is there a thinner part? Have we tried to wait out? Have we tried, you know, I'm, I don't accept stops to my adventures. Right. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I also say, okay, so being alone is one of them. And I would also say that the other obstacle that I've encountered, um, would be like with hunting, right? Because for me, like, I can't just go out alone. And there's, if you think that there's a demographic of people that don't want to be around bears on highly trafficked trails, there's less people that want to go out on a trail being really quiet, looking for a bear or out in the back country looking for a bear. And so the community exponentially shrinks. Right. And so I would say that, um, at bats or opportunities to go hunting, um, when I'm in this amazing situation, you know, um, I'd say that that's been an obstacle and, um, my dad's getting older. And so, you know, when we talk about a hunt, like I put in for a couple of goat tags this year and, um, some other things. And he's like, well, who are you going to go with? And I'm like, well, I'll find somebody, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. You bring up a really good point because, and it's something I've not really consciously thought too much of, but the same is true for me on going out into the wilderness here or hitting a trail or going shed hunting. There is a difference between you can go in, you're making a little noise, you've got your dog or a friend, or you're going by yourself, but you don't have to be quiet. You're not, you're not in this like stock mode. You're not in this predator prey mindset. And so when I go in and I've got my dog and we're just busting trails and looking for sheds, I really never think about bears or safety or mountain lions or anything too, too much. Right. You know, you're always kind of present and, and, Mm -hmm. but I, that fear doesn't sink in. There's a difference though, when you, when it's, you know, four 30 in the morning and it's pitch black and you're creeping into your tree stand and you've got to hike, you know, there is a difference. Because you go from almost feeling like you're a little bit more in control of a situation to feeling like you're just another animal out there in this circle of life. Right. Yeah, definitely. You know, and when you're out there, you're trying to be unnoticed. And when you're, and that's what, that's the opposite of what they teach you in bear safety. Like Mm -hmm. they don't want to, you surprise them that's a bad thing. Right. And yeah. so, yeah, when you're out there creeping around, you're putting yourself in that situation. And so then you have to trust your skill and you have to trust your instincts and you, there's so much more, it just, it's just an elevated experience and you mm-hmm. have to trust so much more of yourself doing that. So, yeah, even for agree. the hunts that I've done in Alaska, um, have been caribou, sheep, moose, and deer. Mm-hmm. and specifically with the the sheep hunt you know you're moving through country where you're not expecting to see the animal that you're going in for so you're making a little bit more noise you can talk a little bit more though when you're deer hunting like you are in the areas where you're going to be hunting essentially so you are more quiet and actually that was one of the first times here in Alaska where I really kind of felt very vulnerable 
mm-hmm. was here on Baranoff Island and we were Sitka blacktail hunting, yeah. you know, so we're creeping through areas that are, you know, really dense. There's a lot of windfall, deadfall, all kinds of stuff to where you can't necessarily, you don't have like a pristine view. It's not open, you're enclosed. Okay. And so everything is like, you don't see something sometimes until it's, you know, 50 yards or less from you. So there is a big difference in, in the terrain, but also in the the species that you're hunting for sure. Right. Yeah, definitely. Cause I've done deer hunting in Prince William sound, um, out on a couple of the islands out there. And yeah, one of the deer I saw we literally came up over a little hill and boom, it was right there. You know what I mean? And it's just, it is so dense that they just, you know, pop out ideally. Pop out. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, talking about doing some more of these things solo for you, um, and you talked about bears, is there any other way that you're going to like prepare yourself for moving into that situation? Oh, for sure. I am a context person. So I listen to podcasts. I watch shows. I watch um, behavior. Like I watch the animal behaviors and I listen to the animal behaviors and I listen to experts. Um, I'm an information junkie. I love just getting information. I'm constantly listening to podcasts on on Spotify, just, you know, all over the place. I'm watching videos, um, you know, because knowing how an responds is really crucial. Um, mm-hmm. and so I surround myself with information, um, and I'm trying to learn, I'm trying to learn, you know, what habitats to go in, how to act, how to be prepared, um, the situations to put myself in. Um, I was going to do a black bear hunt, um, solo this year. Um, just, in one of the local places, one of the local spots. And, you know, I just couldn't talk myself into it. Um, time was also, I, it's not like I just have time laying around and it's not like you're just going to be like, Oh, for me, I'm not going to just go, Oh, I'm going to go black bear hunting today. Um, so it would have taken yeah. a lot more energy, but I did have a specific place in mind at a specific time. And, uh, I just, I didn't do it because I just wasn't mentally there yet, but I had taken a, And I had somebody that would come help me skin out the bear as well. I had taken a course on skinning out a black bear, but I haven't skinned out a black bear. Let's be real. Um, So I I just didn't do it, but I contacted my friend and he was like, you know, it's okay. We'll, we'll get after it, you know, this summer or this fall or whatever. And so I still think of it, it's going to be an an opportunity, but um, yeah, I I mean, I think I just got it. I got to get out there because I have a lot. Um, and nothing helps confidence like experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that if I can marry the information and the education that I have, it's like being book smart versus street smart. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I can marry those two, then I think I'll be in a really good spot. Well, and that's when you get to take the knowledge and the things that you've learned or the courses that you've taken and apply them, because I feel like you can solidify what you know with it, with that experience, like you were just saying, yes. you know, to do and, you know, first person, like, yeah, that's, that's going to be the key to being like, okay, now I'm understanding these patterns or how to skin this out or how to leave sex on, you know, like those different yeah. things. I feel like you can know them, but to do them are two different, two different things. 
yeah, just this last weekend I was out, um, fishing and, um, normally my brother-in-law comes fishing with us when we go on the boat. And I told my dad this year, I was like, I need to learn everything about this boat. I need to learn how to put it in the water, get it out of the water. Da, da, da. And he's like, okay. So we were pulling into the Harbor and it was really windy in Homer this last weekend. And I didn't know I learned so much in like five seconds, <laughs> but I didn't know the <laughs> process for tying up the boat when it's really windy and you know how you tie the rope down to the cleave and then the, the, or the cleat and then the, you know, somebody guns the boat and it brings it right in. Like, I didn't know that, but now I know. And now I'll never make that mistake again because it was such a high stress situation, you know, and that's mm-hmm. the thing, like nothing experience is the best teacher. Um, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm looking for. So you talked a little bit about, you know, berry picking and foraging and stuff like that. And I think that that's something that can be a little bit intimidating to people because there are so many different types of plants and there's a lot of variation in a plant or a berry that can look very similar to something that you're not supposed to eat. I'm yes. curious to know if you have any kind of information or resources or um, somewhere you can point people to learn a little bit more about foraging. For sure. Um, I think it's important to start with knowing what the most harvestable um, and the most abundant resources in your area are. Um, so, where I am, the most by far the most abundant resource is going to be lingonberries or low bush cranberries, um, crowberries were also called moss berries. Um, and then there's a couple different varieties of blueberries, but what helps is just experience. Right. And, um, I will say that there is a Facebook group. Um, I think it's called Alaska berries, uh, that people can join. And they're so kind. Honestly, people are so willing to just give quick information. And if you're in an area with cell phone service, mm-hmm. you can post to that page and be like, hey, what is this? And they'll tell you, uh, they'll either ask you for a leaf if it's um, non-identifiable or they will, um, or they'll say, oh, here's what that is. And, you know, sometimes they even give like recipes and things. And so and that's why I follow it because there's some amazing recipes that show up in that Facebook group. Um, but it's, I think that the most important thing to know is what's most abundant in your area and start with the things that you know, that you know, um, and don't harvest anything else. Go up and and identify and be able to identify that species and go after that species and then branch out a little bit at a time. I will say that, um, so I want to say that people hate hiking with me because I stop like all the time and I'm like, oh, what's this? Oh, what's this? And, you know, I'm always trying to figure out what some kind of plant or berry is. Um, And I'm, I do it less, you know, now that I'm knowing more about the flora in Alaska, but people don't hate hiking with me. They, they laugh about it. They want to learn. They want to know. Um, I was just on a hike with my friend Kristen a few weeks ago and I stopped and I was like, Oh, I think I know what this is. Um, I haven't seen it before. And so I was like taking a picture of it and, um, I was like, sorry, I'll stop. And she's like, no, it's great. I love learning, you know, and people enjoy it. But, and that's, that's another thing. You just have to be curious and you have to start to, you'll create a catalog in your head, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. these berries look like this. Okay, these are these are of a bramble species. And when you think brambles, you're thinking like raspberries, blackberries, um, salmon berries, the ones with all the little berries on the, on the one berry, right? Um, and you'll start to see 
the leaves. And one of the ones that still trips me up sometimes is currants because we do have lots of wild currants up in Alaska. And so I'll stop and I'll really just look at how it grows, how the flowers grow. I'm, I'm really good at identifying berries on the vine. Um, however, I'm trying to build my skill of identifying the flower, right? And so that's um, something this year I'm able to dra draw those connections pretty quickly. But um, yeah. I'd say that that's my advice. And there's a ton of books. I have a highlight on my Instagram with a lot of the books that I use. Um, and it's just under foraging. So on there, there's just going to be all kinds of berries books. Um, and I'm getting a little bit more into the green foraging, right? So like nettles, I harvested yeah. some nettles this year and made some um, nut nettle pesto. Actually, we had talked about this. Yeah. Well, you posted a picture and I said, I would imagine that's a nettle or in the nettle family, except that you're holding it. Yes. And they were babies. And so the stingers were really small. Um, and it's funny because I was, I was harvesting pretty well and because I went for fiddleheads and then I was like, oh my gosh, these are nettles. And I was telling my friend Rachel, who I was with, like, Hey, we need to pick some of these because I want to make some pesto with this. I heard it's amazing. And, um, so I just started and she had scissors because she's smarter than me. Um, and I was just, uh, you know, just pinching them off with my fingernails and dropping them in my bag. And I, you know, just a little few little stings like here and there, but it wasn't too bad. And then one time there was one that I picked and it got like all down the side of my hand and it bugged me for like two days. But other than that, it was okay. That's pretty awesome. So do you have that recipe up anywhere? Um, I don't, I will put it up. Okay. Please do. Please yeah. do. I would love to check that out for sure. Cause people are going to be like, wait, nettle pasta or pesto. Like that's crazy. Yes. Super good on fish. So what is one outdoor skill that you are would claim like is your number one, you're the best at it. And what is the contrary? What is the one skill you really need to refine? Mm, I'll never say that I'm like the best at anything, but I will say that I'm very aware when I'm in the outdoors, I am, I'm naturally an insanely curious person. And so I'm constantly aware of the type of birds that I'm listening to, the, um, the environment that I'm in, the animal country that I'm in. Um, and I'm a protective person. And so when I'm with people, I give them extra information that they probably don't want, but, um, but they get it from me anyway, because I have a sense of responsibility. Um, so I'd say probably awareness is my, my greatest skill, just being out and just being in tune. Right. Um, and that has developed over time for sure. That's not, it's not a natural thing because you start to, to pick out patterns, right? That's how our brains work is we pick out patterns and things that become familiar and, and experience it. Um, lends itself to that. Um, my biggest opportunity or my biggest like skill gap. Um, I would say that I'm trying to refine packing, packing effectively for the trip I'm going for, because I kind of joke around with my friends that, you know, if life is a bowl, if life is a bowling lane, and I'm the bowling ball, I really rely on those like gutter guards <laughs> a lot because I'm going like, 
no matter what, I'm just, I'm going to go and I'm just going to trust that those gutter guards are going to just keep me on the right path. And whether those gutter guards are like instincts or family or my, my um, resiliency, because just mentally I'm a resilient person. Um, you know, another conversation, but I've gone through a lot of, uh, just emotional trauma, um, in my life, probably just in the last like 10 years ish, like I was married before and I had, I had a divorce and like went through all that kind of stuff and recovery and blah, blah, blah. Anyways, resilient. Um, so anyways, those gutter guards just kind of keep me, you know, moving forward in life. And, um, so like if I, and, and something is really heavy, then I'm just like, well, I overpacked and this is really heavy and I still have to go 38 miles. Right. Um, which we just did a couple weekends ago at resurrection pass. Um, you know, so I, I, I tend to just kind of plow through instead of really strategizing beforehand because I'm really just a run and gun instinctual person. Um, and so uh, I've been working with a couple of my hunting friends to kind of refine the things that I bring. And they're like, you don't need that. And I'm like, I do need that. And they're like, no, you don't need that. <laughs> um, so that's the skill that I'm working on. I think that one's really hard because we live day to day in a very comfortable, controlled environment. You know, we right. can turn on the heater, we can grab something from the refrigerator, we can change our clothes, we can wash our face, like we can do all of those things very easily. So when it comes to packing or preparing for something like an off grid adventure, our mind kind of goes over that checklist of like those daily comforts, like I want to be warm, I want to be dry, I want to be fed, I want to be clean, I want to be, you know, so we try to pack sometimes with those things in mind. Oh, definitely. When really sometimes backpacking and backcountry off-grid adventures are not necessarily meant to be uncomfortable, but there are sacrifices that are made essentially to keep you mobile to right. where you're not packing 60 pounds on your back to go for two days. Right. Yeah. I think that, so I travel all the time for work and everything else. And a lot of times the way that I pack is as I get ready in the morning, right? So I'll wash my face and I'll toss my face wash in my bag and I'll brush my teeth and I'll toss my toothbrush and stuff in my bag. And I'm like, I need that, need that, need that, need that, you know? And then when it comes to, so like we just did this four day, 40 mile um, point to point hike. Um, you can't pack that way. You have yeah. to like actually take a step back. And I thought that I did pretty well because I mentally like prepared for this one. And then I was talking to one of my friends and he was like, you brought blah, 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 blah. And I was like, well, yeah. And he was like, nah, girl. And he's a sheep hunter, you know, and, um, he was giving me some advice. I brought like one pair of pants, one pair of leggings, yeah. like, you know, like all these other things. And he's like, no, you need a different pair of pants, ditch these two, blah, blah, blah. You know, and he's just giving me all kinds of advice. And I'm like, <sighs> And then he was like, and you can do laundry if you're gone for long enough. And I'm just like, okay, this is next level. I'm not ready. <laughs> <laughs> I want to stay a little more comfortable than that. Well, that's yeah. funny because it reminds me this, uh, a couple weekends ago, we just did our archery 2.0 camp in, uh, in Oregon. And, uh, I was talking about, you know, it was raining like crazy, like I said. So a lot of what we did was really focused on how to hike and hunt comfortably when it's raining, 
how to go to bed if you're soaking wet, like, you know, how to survive basically if you're, if you're really wet. Um, and then we started talking about just packing and how to pack your bag compartmentally to where you're not garage sailing everything out of your pack when you have to go and grab your rain jacket. You know, you want to have that accessible because you don't want everything in your pack to get wet and that kind of stuff. And one of the things that I was talking about was that I like on a backcountry hunt, I'll take two wet wipes for each day and I dehydrate or just air dry half of them just to save some weight. And the girl's faces, when I said that I let, you know, I, I dry them out. So they're lighter. They're like, Whoa. So you're like really thinking about every little ounce that goes into your pack. And you really have to, because if you don't, you know, two ounces here, five ounces there translates over time to an extra five pounds or whatever in your pack. Right. Yeah. Um, one of the things that one of the mistakes I made on the resurrection hike was, um, so it was four of us that went and we kind of like group packed, right? So, okay, you're going to bring this, you're going to bring this, yada, yada, yada. So I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. well, I'm going to bring a fuel canister. And so I brought a fuel canister (laughs) instead of like, you know, a couple little ones because experience hasn't taught me yet how long those are going to last because I just use them until they're gone, you know, and I haven't put myself in a situation where, you know, I'm going to be out and be screwed (laughs) if I Mm -hmm. run out of fuel. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, and we had, we actually, my friend Jillian packed out her three-year-old and I was like, there's no way that I'm running out of fuel with a three-year-old. Right. And so now I think about that differently and, you know, I will in the future calculate how much it takes to make a meal? How efficient mm-hmm. is this burner? You know, how much do I need to bring two little ones, you know, just in case one of the little um, things goes out, mm-hmm. you know, in case the can stops working, like, you know, and you just, you think differently. Um, and it's a whole another world, just like you said about those girls. It's just like, I mean, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a deep, deep hole. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I thought I talked to people about, um, when people say that they want to get into fly fishing, right? When you think about fly fishing, you just think it looks really cool. You know, somebody's out there and they're just waving a pole back and, or, you know, back and forth and, you know, or, you know, dry flies and, you know, wet flies, blah, blah, blah. And then you get into it and it's like, oh, this is a culture. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there is, there are unending there are unending resources with this unending styles, unending, well, I use this fly and here's my technique and here's all this. And, um, you know, it's, it's so funny just how deep you can get into every little thing. And Mm -hmm. I like fly fishing, you know what I mean? But I don't, I'm not obsessed and Mm -hmm. I don't want to invest my time into that really deep. Like it's just, it's, it's a no for me, but, um, I like the basics. (laughs) I don't know about you, but, and I've been hunting and fishing my entire life, but there is something to me about fishing that, like you said there, it's just endless. Like I feel like generally speaking, hunting is fairly easy. Like if you know a species, you can probably go out there and find what you're looking for, probably harvest it, that kind of thing. Fishing, I feel like is such a matter of knowledge of things like water depth watercolor what lure do you use if it's cloudy what 
lure color do you use if it's sunny? You know, there's just so like different knots. There's so many things that to me, fishing is like a whole nother beast. Yeah. Reading the streams, reading the seams, you know, where are the rocks, um, using your polarized glasses. Can you see it? Can you see it moving? What's it doing? Yeah. You know, what are they biting? What's the, yeah. What's the freaking <laughs> what ice cream did you have for breakfast? I don't know. <laughs> so seriously, you're not kidding. So many different things. Yeah. I just, I don't think I'll ever. And it's funny. Cause I live like right in the middle of like really great fishing, you know, um, but people, in fact, they'll come out and visit or when I have ladies over, they're like, do you fish these rivers? And I'm like, no, cause I really suck at tying knots and, you know, I'll just go on and on. And like, to me, I'd just much rather go, go hunt than try to figure out how I'm supposed to tie this on or what color, you know, I'm supposed to use. Yeah. And it just does seem a little bit daunting. Uh, so this is not pepping people up to go fishing, but <laughs> well, I mean, and then there's um, like, there are, what species are you hunt or are you fishing now? And Oh, sockeye don't bite. They just go through the water and you know, you have to, you know, and then it's, it's unending. Yeah. Yeah, totally is back to your point though, about the canister, you know, I did the same thing last week. I was going out just for a day hike, but I thought, Oh, it's, it's raining. It's crappy. Like we're going to do 10 miles. Maybe we'll just stop and sit down and do, you know, have lunch halfway or something just because we can. And I grabbed my canister and I'm shaking it. I'm like, does that have two burns in it? Oh, I just, I don't know. It was like so questionable. I really wish that, you know, and they do say they'll tell you per size, how many burns you can get out of it. But I was like, ah, I just don't know. So then I go to the next one, which is like the full medium size one. And I'm like, this is yep. overkill, but yeah, it is. It's just learning those things. And, yeah. uh, over time going, yeah, no, there's one or no, there's not, you know, those different kind of things will help keep you a little yeah. bit more comfortable. But again, it goes back to that experience and just putting yourself in those situations, um, to learn. And then like the little things like, um, so I use an MSR. I think I have, I think it's called the pocket rocket pocket. I mean, I it's just tiny. Yep. And, um, my friend was telling me, oh, well that is actually a less inefficient, or that's a less efficient burner than, you know, blah, 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 blah. So you could get this burner and there, and it's just like, <laughs> and then there's me and I'm like, oh, I'll just hike it. <laughs> Moral of the story. I think, yeah, just relying on reviews and resources and, like you said, listening to podcasts of people that are putting boots on the ground and have been there and they can share their experiences to kind of help uh, lessen the learning curve for other people trying to trying to get their feet wet. Mm-hmm. For sure. So what's next on the adventure list for you, Erica? Oh, well, I am going to Valdez this weekend. Um, I'm leaving tomorrow um, and I'm going to go work for a day. Um, and then I am headed out to a glacier lake with my paddleboard. Um, so I'm really excited to do that and going to do some hiking, some paddleboarding, some glacier exploring, hopefully some glacier caves. Um, we've seen some good pictures out there. So kind of a paddleboarding trip more or less. And then, um, you know, just hanging out in Valdez. It's a great place to visit. And, uh, I just love the, I love the vibes in Valdez and it's supposed to be an incredible weekend. So Mm -hmm. I have a three day trip to Valdez planned and then let's see what's coming up. Um, July 4th weekend, lots of fishing, um, probably out of Homer and not out of Seward because Mount Marathon is going on in Seward and it's going to be crazy over there. Um, so 
fishing. And then I've got a clam digging trip planned across the Cook Inlet on the west side of Cook Inlet. Um, That's in July. And then another trip to Tutka Bay, which is one of my favorite places to go. I'm going to go hike Grace Ridge. It's about a 10 mile point to point hike up there. So uh, I have been joking with my friends that I overcommitted myself this summer because I have something planned every single weekend. I mean, it's okay, here's four days, here's four days, here's four days, and people are... And so <laughs> I had to like post on my page yesterday, like, here's proof that I actually own a pair of slacks and a button down shirt and <laughs> that I do go to work. <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah. That's lots awesome. of things. Well, sounds like up. lots of, lots of fun stuff coming up. That's great. Um, well, where can people find you and see what you're doing online? Yeah, absolutely. So Alaska outdoor girl on Instagram, um, And I have a website, alaskaoutdoorgirl.com, which, you know, ideally I'm trying to put like (laughs) recipes and blogs and all that kind of stuff up there. And then I have um, an ebook putting out for people visiting Alaska so they can see those on there. Um, And I don't have, I don't do the, I have a TikTok, but I don't do the TikTok game. I just haven't, (laughs) I haven't broken the TikTok culture. And, uh, so yeah, it's basically just my website and my Instagram. Awesome. Well, I'm going to be looking for the nettle pesto recipe there. So making a note, making a note. (laughs) Yes. That'll be awesome. And I'm excited because, uh, after we leave Sitka next June, I believe you and I could be neighbors. So I'm pretty stoked about that. For sure. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, That'd be awesome. I'll put in a we'll put in a big request for Palmer move. Perfect. Sounds good. Well, thanks for taking the time and uh, just sharing a little bit more about you so we could get to know you. I'm sure we'll have you on for another round of uh, Q&A with Erica, but we appreciate your time and uh, for everything that you shared. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, Courtney. Once again, thank you for tuning into the show. We hope that your cup is full and you're ready to embrace your untamable vibe. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a favor? Help us grow our audience by sharing your favorite episode on social media, sending the episode to a friend and leaving us a review online. We love to hear from you. One more thing, be sure to press that subscribe button and never miss a weekly episode. See you next week.